the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. Well, you remember the story of Cain and Abel in Genesis chapter 4. And God confronts Cain and he says, first he says, but for Cain and his offering, he had no respect. So Cain became extremely angry and indignant and he looked annoyed and hostile. And the Lord said to him, why are you so angry? He said that to me many a time. I could point to my circumstances, but in the light of God's word to me, I could not justify my anger. And he asked me that question. Why are you so angry? Why do you look so annoyed? If you do well, believing me and doing what is acceptable and pleasing to me, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, But ignore my instruction. Sin crouches at your door. Its desire is for you to overpower you. But you must master it. You see, Cain was determined to ignore the word of God and continued in his anger and bitterness. And we all know where that ended. He was so focused on this at the time, he didn't ask any questions. He didn't even ask himself some. I mean, wouldn't you, wouldn't you be absolutely amazed that God had sought you out? Wouldn't that just absolutely floor you? That God had sought you out? And what's more, not only did he seek you out, he's speaking to you. God is reasoning with you. Creator God is right there talking with you. Aren't you amazed by that? He wasn't. Why? He was focusing on his bitterness on his hate, on his comparison with his brother. He was focusing on those things. He could not see the glory of God. Do you see the picture there? God wants you to walk in the continual revelation of his glory, of his faithfulness, of his goodness to you. And when he brings up sin, it's because it's blinding you. It's causing you to be distracted from truth. So Cain was determined and we saw where that ended. And God wanted to lead him back to blessing and fellowship. And Cain wanted to hold on to his bitterness and anger. And Cain lived under a different covenant. But you can see the pattern. God just wanted to free him. God just wanted to invite him into the fellowship he was made for. 
God would accept the offering if it had been given in obedience and not in pride. And that's what he's saying. I mean, he didn't have to make a trip to do that. He didn't have to explain that to Cain. And how often does he do that with us? Only to be ignored about half the time. We're so fixed on holding on to whatever it is we're dealing with. God pointed to the root, which was an issue of pride and disobedience. It was not God's acceptance of Abel's offering that caused the problem. Let's look at verse 5 of chapter 4, where James says, Or do you suppose that the scripture is speaking to no use, no purpose, that says, The spirit whom I have caused to dwell in you, in us, yearns over us, and he yearns for the Spirit to be welcomed with a jealous love. Now, this is the picture. He has put his Spirit in union with you, and he yearns, which means he desires, not just with a passive desire, not with just a a flippant desire, but with a passionate desire that you embrace that spirit and allow that spirit to envelop you so that you can enter into the communion that he shares with that spirit. Do you understand that? His appetite is so great for you, for a relationship with you that's not just flippant and passive and religious, but is intimate. And it is so great, he says, my spirit, I yearn for my spirit to be there, to be your focus. He yearns for the spirit to be welcome with a jealous love. You know what that means? Whatever's got your focus has got you, and he's jealous. He's jealous. Have we allowed our souls to be inhospitable to the Spirit? Have we ignored the Word of God? Have we become complacent in our recognition of His presence and His desire for us? If so, we have become carnal. We're not truly dealing with the root of sin in our souls. We are occasionally clipping the buds in order to feel better about our relationship with God. But we're not dealing with it. Now, it's with all of that context in mind that we're going to deal with our text. (laughs) That was a long way to get there, huh? But it's important. It's so important. Otherwise, we just see the sin in the text and we walk out of here thinking, well, I'm glad I'm going to put, put an end to that. I'll clip that, bud. But that's not the issue. Would you stand with me while I read James chapter 4? Verses 11 through 17. Believers, do not speak against or slander one another. He who speaks self-righteously against a brother or judges his brother hypocritically speaks against the law and judges the law. If you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but you judge it. There is only one lawgiver and judge. The one who is able to save and to destroy. The one God who has absolute power of life and death. But who are you to hypocritically or self-righteously pass judgment on your neighbor? Come now and pay attention to this. You who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such city and spend a year there and carry on our business and make a profit. Yet, you do not know the least thing about what may happen in your life tomorrow. 
What is secure in your life? You are merely a vapor like a puff of smoke or a wisp of steam from a cooking pot that is visible for a little while and then vanishes into thin air. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and we will do this or that. But as it is, you boast vainly in your pretension and arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So any person who knows what is right to do, but does not do it, to him it is sin. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Now you see Paul dealing with the same types of issues in his epistles to the various churches. And we've gone through all of those. And the enemy's tactics have not changed. In order to create a division in the church or a marriage or in relationships, he must first seat our identity in the flesh. That's where division takes place. The issues may vary, but the root is a carnal soul. And this reminds me of what Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. He wrote, however, brothers and sisters, I could not talk to you as spiritual people but only as to worldly people, dominated by human nature, mere infants in the new life in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not able to receive it. Even now you're still not ready, and you are still worldly, controlled by ordinary impulses, the sinful capacity. For as long as there is jealousy and strife and discord among you, are you not unspiritual? Are you not walking like ordinary men, unchanged by faith or lost men? Paul names the fruit and then he names points at the root. He says, you're still worldly. You're still unspiritual. You're walking like men without God. And that doesn't mean they were looking to indulge in sin, but they were carnal Christians. They were religious They studied the scripture, they would gather for worship, but they were not walking in truth. They were soulish. They were indulging in pet sins. Look at verse 11. Believers, do not speak against or slander one another. He who speaks self-righteously against a brother or judges his brother hypocritically speaks against the law and judges the law. If you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law but a judge of it. Now, the fact that they were engaging in this kind of behavior, gossiping about each other, slandering each other, indicates that they were carnal. And James wants to make sure that they understand the gravity of their sin. So remember that the people that he's speaking to are converted Jews. They were lifelong Jews up to the point Jesus changed their lives. Generations of living under Judaism had passed before them. They're converted. So when James says concerning their speaking against the law was very impactful to them. In Judaism, that was a capital offense. Okay. You would be stoned to death for speaking against the law. And it's clear that James is addressing believers that had appointed themselves as judges of the brethren. 
Now, when you do this, this is to usurp the authority of God. This person who's doing this does not live in the truth, but in fact redefines the truth for himself and others. Now, the sin seems mild enough with the occasional comment and pointed observation or the ready ear to hear information. But we have all heard, and we have all heard about slander and gossip. But the question is, why are they participating in these things? What is the root issue? Are they more sensitive to man and to their flesh than they are to the Spirit of God? He says, there's only one lawgiver. And judge, the one who is able to save and to destroy, the one God who is absolute power of life and death. But who are you to hypocritically or self-righteously pass judgment on your neighbor? Now, I love that question. Who are you? Who are you? Now, that's a defining question that would allow the word of God to give you clarity if you stopped and listened for an answer. This is where the source should be identified. Is this the product of a carnal soul or do you believe it has its source in the spirit of God? Do you really believe that? There are only two sources of this kind of behavior. Where do you think it comes from? This is where the source should be identified. Let me remind you, it's what he says. There is only one lawgiver and one judge, and guess what? It is not you. Yes, the Spirit gives discernment for the purpose of prayer and restoration and counseling. But he will never invite you to judge another. Get this. The Spirit of God will never invite you to judge another. These judgments that are being made are made against a person, identifying them with their behavior. They're attaching identity to their judgments of behavior. Now, what does that mean? You stole from me. You're a thief. What have I just done? I just gave you an identity, didn't I? You steal from me. You're a thief. That is the only way the flesh can judge. That's the only way we can judge in this life. Is by assessing externals. And that is not righteous judgment. Okay? That is not the judgment of God. Only God can truly judge because only God can truly know the heart. And we can see and know the externals of a person's life. And we can follow the Spirit's wisdom in how we handle our observation. We are at times called to church discipline for carnal behavior. But we do not judge the person, we address the behavior. Behavior is fruit. Slander is fruit. Gossip is fruit. Now the question is, do we just clip the buds when we are convicted, or do we allow the Word of God to deal with the root and return to walking by the Spirit, where there's no room for offense, no room for bitterness or self-righteous judgment? I mean, look at Jesus. And here's the thing, you have his life, and that's the life that he wants you to live, to yield to. Now, a lot of things were done against Jesus, a lot of things were said against Jesus. If anybody had reason to be bitter, he didn't. He, he didn't, he wasn't bitter. If anybody had reason to judge, he didn't judge. Not at this point. But Jesus was ever loving. He always saw men in according to their need. 
He didn't know any man like Paul, didn't know any man according to the flesh. He could look past the smiles. He could look past the, the uh, gregarious behavior and see to the inner man and see the hurt and see the pain and see the woundedness. And he knew himself to be the answer for those things. Whereas we carry the answer. Whenever you have a discernment about someone concerning their pain, concerning maybe even their sin, you immediately look to the Spirit of God as to what to do with that. It is a gift from the Spirit of God. He brought discernment to you. It may not ever, ever pass your lips to another person except to God himself. And what a God to share his heart with you. What a God to say to you, I'm concerned about Sabra. She's hurting. And to stop and not take off on the discernment that the Spirit gives you with criticism, with judgments of the flesh, but to immediately offer back unto the Father and say, Father, I share your heart for her. I want to hurt with her. I want to minister to her, Lord, in whatever way you see fit. That just does away with criticism, doesn't it? We're no longer about trying to name people by their behavior, by their failures. We're now seeing them as God sees them. And that's what we're called to. Now let's move to verse 13 where James deals with the next carnal perspective. He says to them, come now and pay attention to this. In other words, listen to me. Listen to me. You who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such city and spend a year there and carry on our business and make a profit. Now I want to make this clear at this point to all you thinkers and doers. This is not an admonition against planning. Okay? So y'all can relax. James is addressing the context of their living. They live with little or no thought of their complete dependency on God. They're self-reliant. They allow the momentum of living to carry them forward, and they plan accordingly. There is a hubris or arrogance in living this way. It disregards God or gives him a brief half-hearted acknowledgement before we get on with our day. I dare say that their devotion would be a great deal more sincere and passionate if they were just about to wheel them in for chemo for the first time. Quick little passive prayer wouldn't cut it, would it? Would it cut it for you? No. You would be clinging to him. You would be recognizing your total dependence upon him. You would be crying out to absolutely keep your focus on him in this because you couldn't look around. You didn't want to look around. You didn't want to see all the things that might come against you, the threats that might might come against you. You didn't want to see those things. You only wanted to see the face of Jesus in the face of the disease. That's what you wanted to see. No rushed prayer. No passive prayer. It is, what is being addressed here is passive faith. It's not a determination to walk by faith, by the Spirit, first and foremost. It is a desire to get on with your day and meet certain goals in the process. And the question is, do we start each day 
recognizing our dependence and declaring our desire for communion. I'm not saying this so you can put it on your refrigerator. I'm saying this because that's who you are if you're a child of God. Do you recognize who you are first thing in the morning? Do you recognize who you are? Because the minute you step out, the enemy's already working in your soul to take that identity out of your head. Do you recognize your need for him? Even on vacation. I remember I uh, went to on vacation. This has been many years ago. And you know, I would I would pray religiously. I would pray every morning and sometimes through the day at different points because I'm all about routine, right? Well, God's not. God's about relationship. And I was on vacation. We were in Mexico and everything was so pretty. We were at this resort and God spoke to me. He said, do you need me here? And you know, the issue is that I didn't think I needed him. My discipline for seeking him, my discipline for recognizing my dependence upon him had flown out the window with all of the flowers and everything that was around me and the lack of threat from work and from the things that I was familiar with. I now allowed all that to just kind of disappear. And I'm just kind of living life and enjoying life. And God says, do you need me? And I said, yes. (laughs) Yes. You know, when you recognize your dependence upon him, the very thing that distracted you many times will show him in it. The beauty of all that surrounded me now had a new glow for me. Because I could see God's hand in it all. Do we start each day recognizing our dependence, our desire for communion? Isn't that what your number one desire is? Well, whether you think it is or not, it's your number one need. So you start each day and say, Father, I want to commune with you today. That is the one thing. That is the one goal. If I don't get anything else done today, I want to know you in this day. I want to walk with you. You said your sheep hear your voice. Well, this sheep is listening. I want to recognize you in the things around me. I don't care if it's a flat tire. I don't care if it's traffic. I don't care if it's sickness. I want to see you in it. Is that your desire? Verse 14. He says, yet you do not know the least thing about what might happen in your life tomorrow. Here's the question. What is secure in your life? You are merely a vapor, like a puff of smoke or a wisp of steam from the cooking pot that is visible for a little while and then vanishes into thin air. Does the truth of that scare you? Does it? What is secure in your life? Name it. There's only one thing that's secure in your life. Jesus. That's it. I don't care how much you got set up and rolling for you. That's not security. That's circumstance. The truth of this shouldn't scare you. But you don't know. The physical existence that you have is not held by you. Even if you eat right and exercise, God is still governs the efficacy of all that you do. I know, I know guys, and I, you know, I don't want to be bitter, but they can go to the gym and do a few reps and do a few things, and boy, they come out looking like some kind of Greek statue. I go in there, I'm puffing, I'm blowing, I'm doing everything, I come out looking like Fred Mertz. It just doesn't happen. 
See, God, God controls the effectiveness of all that you do. What works for you is only works for you because God allows it to work for you. We think we have strengths. No, you really don't. His strength is all you have. And that where he applies it. You are in no way holding yourself together. You in no way hold your life together. You may fear the virus and die in a car accident. We typically fear a lot of different things. But the main thing we fear, the main thing we fear most of all is our loss of control. That's the number one thing. We have some sense of control in our lives that allows us to feel secure. And when God allows that to be taken from us, we are grasping for him and praying for him to restore that sense of security. You know what I'm talking about. Well, at least I have my IRA. Well, at least I have my health. Well, at least I have my wife who loves me dearly. You know, at least I have this. I'm going to fall back on that. No, not at least, at most, you have Jesus. That's your security. It is your only security. There is no other security. You don't have any control in your life. You're not protecting yourself. You think you're protecting yourself, but it is God who protects you. People can die for all kinds of reasons or for no reason at all, believe it or not. They can just fall. And you know what? The issue is not how they left. The issue is that God called them home and he'll call you home unless he returns You are on the bus sometime. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.